Welcome to the Audit Bytes podcast with your host, Robert Berry, where we talk about touchy auditing topics in bite-sized chunks. Whether you're just starting out in auditing or you're a seasoned professional, you'll find something of value here. Tell all of our fellow auditors. You can find us live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and your favorite podcasting platforms. Tune in and join us for a thought-provoking and informative look at the world of auditing. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 35. Can you believe it's 35 episodes already? Episode number 35 of Audit Bites, and today we're going to talk about why audit staffs struggle. Now, lately, I know I've been talking about a lot of controversial things. If you saw my post on LinkedIn from today, there was some artificial intelligence where I did a deep fake face swap live during one of my other podcasts. And I've also been talking about why there's a shortage in the internal auditing profession. And so today, we're going to go a little bit deeper. Today, we're going to talk about why audit staffs struggle. Because think about this. You will never be able to perform good work if your staff is struggling. But before I get started, let me remind you all, go over to our YouTube channel, go subscribe, listen, it looks a mess right now, but the content is good and the content is there. I'm still figuring out this YouTube world and I'm having fun figuring it out. Ah, you saw the coffee mug, Leslie. Yes, merch. You like the way I subtly placed it up there? That was not so subtle, right? Uh All right, so you all know how I do. I start things typically with a story. So let me tell you about John. Now that's not his real name. Last name Doe, obviously not his real last name either. But I was talking to John recently and he had accepted a position in an audit department about a year and a half ago. It was a brand new audit department for a company that had just gone public and he was very excited about the possibilities. He was very excited about the possibilities and what he was going to be able to do in that audit department. So they went through one year of, well, Sarbanes-Oxley. Now, you know how I feel about that. Sox is not audit. If you don't trust me and believe me on that, you're wrong. Sox is not audit. So he thought he was going to be doing internal auditing, but he ended up doing Sarbanes-Oxley, which to him was extremely, extremely boring. Now, he's headed into his second year at the organization, and he noticed that all his boss was talking about was Sarbanes-Oxley. But what happened to the actual auditing that they were going to be doing? That was the question that he had. What happened to the actual auditing that he was going to be doing, that he was hired to do? Well, when he ended up talking to his boss, his boss ended up telling him that there had been a change in direction for the organization and that they wanted the audit department to shoulder a lot of the responsibility for doing the Sarbanes-Oxley work. Imagine that. He was hired thinking that he was going to do internal auditing work. He suffered the first year doing Sarbanes-Oxley because, well, he was promised that they would get to real audit work in that second year. 
Now, the second year came around and he noticed that all they were talking about was socks. And he became concerned. Now, when he asked his boss about it, his boss openly admitted to him that there had been a change in direction from the management team at the organization. So then he asked, well, when did this change occur? Now, his boss told him, well, they decided that about a year and a half ago. Ooh, right around the time he started the job. That really would have been good to know. Now, wouldn't it? Now, Sonal says she has nightmares from socks. Yeah, I do, too. I like to wear socks, but I don't necessarily <laughs> I don't necessarily like doing socks testing. And here's the bad part. I'm actually good at it. Oh, so I'm called to do it fairly often. But back to the story with John. John was hired to do a job. He thought it was internal auditing. Turns out the goal for the organization shifted to where his responsibility was going to be Sarbanes-Oxley. So that brings me to my very first point as to why most audit staff struggle. First point is they don't understand the big picture. When you look at a lot of audit shops, they are layered. You have your chief audit executive or director of audit, whatever the position title is, and that person is responsible for maintaining good relationships with organizational management and the board of directors and the audit committee. So they're responsible for all the soft things that need to happen. Then you might have an audit manager. Then you might have an audit supervisor, maybe even a senior auditor and then a staff level auditor. Now, if your audit department does not have clearly defined goals and objectives that have been communicated to employees, it's kind of hard for them to do good work for you. I'll give you another example of what I mean by that. I had one audit team that I was responsible for managing. And when I inherited the department, there was only one person that had a professional certification. They'd been doing it for several years and had been performing at a decent level. And so I came in as the new guy and I said, I need for you to get some certifications. Now, of course, their question to me was, why? We've been doing this for quite some time without certifications. Now, I could have just said, hey, because I said so. I could have taken the parent role, right? <laughs> because I said so. How many kids hate that? How many of you hated hearing that when you were a kid? I could have taken that approach, but I didn't. You see, one of the reasons that I wanted them to get certifications, well, there were two reasons. One, they didn't perform as well as I wanted them to as auditors. And oftentimes when you study for certifications, you learn the fundamentals of the job. That was the first reason. So I actually told them that. Now, the second reason, though, was because there were some people on our audit committee who were used to public accounting firms and they questioned why I didn't have more CPAs on staff. Now, what I proceeded to tell them was CPA is not the certification that matters for internal auditors. Now, it has some weight, but realistically, if you really want people to be certified, if and that's a big if, because not all. You don't necessarily need a certification to be a high performing internal auditor. However, my audit committee was asking about certifications and if they wanted to see certifications as a sign of proficiency. The certified internal auditor designation would be the better one or the certified information systems auditor. 
So I explained that to them and what they expected was for people to be certified. So now what did I do? I went and in turn told the staff that this was an expectation from our audit committee. Now, with that said, once I let them in, they were more apt to actually getting the certifications. But oftentimes, we don't tell our audit staff the big picture. For example, what is the mission, vision, and values of your department? This is going to be important because if you've looked at the brand new exposure draft for the new standards, they are requiring that audit departments have a mission and a vision. And I can guarantee you that some of the big ones do, many of the small ones do not. So while I'm here, let me pause for one moment. If that is something that your audit department needs help with, reach out to me. Let's talk about it. I have put together mission, vision, and values for audit departments for a very long time, for a very, very long time. Now, Lisa says, in her humble opinion, CPAs only good for opinions. You mean opinions over the financial statements? If that's what you mean, I, I kind of agree with you. For some reason, people want to see internal auditors with CPA designation, but those are two totally different fields altogether. I mean, a CPA license shows that you have some understanding of financial statements, but internal auditors aren't looking at the financial statements. I mean, that's just something that we don't, that's not a part of our job. Lisa says, yes. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% with you on that, but it's still something that people want to see in our profession. And so until we change the narrative um, by speaking out kind of like how I just did, <laughs> it's going to be something that people are still looking for when they employ certified internal auditors. By the way, if you want your I Love Audit mug, you can go to my website and get it. That auditguy.com. Go to merch and you'll see it there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Lisa is saying that CPA is uh, not only good for day to day, but also good for looking for fraud. You know where the money is. So. Let's talk about our internal auditors again, though. One of the reasons most audit staff struggle is because they don't understand the big picture. What is what is, what is the mission, vision and values of your audit department? If you are in charge, it is up to you to communicate that to your people if you want them to perform well. Now, let me tell you another story. Let me tell you another story. <clears throat> so yesterday... I posted something on LinkedIn. I'm sorry, it wasn't yesterday, but it was the other day where I said something about my boss threw me a surprise party. I said, my boss threw me a surprise party. Now, while you're probably thinking that this is a good thing, listen to the story. Because I think everybody likes surprises until you don't like surprises. So we were working on an audit project and we were auditing this critical piece of software for the company. Now, the software was expensive and it looked good. However, this thing was not secure, it was not secure at all. It was kind of like leaving your Lamborghini parked, unlocked in a really bad neighborhood. So it looked good, but it didn't perform well. After we finished the review, well, 
We found a lot of issues when we did the review, but after we finished the review, our boss told us that the organization had decided to purchase new software. And so my question was, when did you make that decision? They had made the decision several, several months ago, like right after we started the audit. So my question was, why didn't we just stop the audit and spend those resources elsewhere? Because we wasted several weeks, even months worth of time. We did a worthless review at that point. So throwing your people surprises makes them unproductive. So that gets to my second reason why audit staff struggle. They are not in the loop. They aren't in the loop. If your people are not in the loop, they're going to struggle. You have this mission and vision values in your head. Then you have the way that you want them to execute tasks in your head. But you don't effectively communicate that to them. Here's the ultimate problem with that. Hoarding information does not make you a hero. Have you ever worked with someone? You went to meetings and you thought that everyone was on the same page about what was going to be said at the meeting. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the meeting, they came out with this new piece of information that they could have and should have shared with you. But they came out with this information because, surprise, it made them look really good. And for those of you listening on the podcasting platforms, I'm saying, good in air quotes, because it really does not make you look good. Hoarding information does not make you a hero. I'll say that again. Hoarding information does not make you look like a hero. But here's the other thing. Sometimes people keep information from you on accident. So it's not always done on purpose. It's not always done on purpose. So I'm not saying that everyone is malicious in what they do. Ooh, <laughs> Sono said that was a perfect analogy. I'm assuming you're talking about leaving your Lamborghini unlocked in a bad neighborhood. Yeah. If it looks good, but you don't adequately protect it, something bad is going to happen. Ah, Malika, I hope I said your name right. CIA and CISA. Yeah, I think those are the relevant certifications for internal audit. Uh, you know, you do need to understand accounting, but Eh, you're not booking journal entries, you know? And Lisa says, all staff need to be engaged at all levels. That's how you operate. That's how I operate. I have weekly staff meetings and sometimes I overshare, <laughs> you know, but but in all seriousness, um, you need to provide people with information if you want them to perform well for you. I'm going to say that again. You need to provide people with information if you want them to perform well for you. There's no need in hiding things from people and then turning around and wondering, I wonder why they didn't do the job that I wanted them to do. That makes absolutely no sense. So listen, we got a couple more points, but right now I want to thank you all for joining me on episode 35 of Audit Bites. So while you're here, there are a couple things I want you to do. Go over to my YouTube channel and subscribe. We're cleaning that thing up so that it looks pretty because right now it actually does not look like a Lamborghini. But with the information there, it certainly drives like one. How do you like that, Sono? <laughs> but the other thing I want you to do is um, listen. Go over to AuditBytes.com. Find us on all your podcasting platforms. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify. Spread the word about this podcast 
to your friends. From what I can see from the download statistics, we have a worldwide audience. I am so surprised that so many people just want to hear me talk about auditing. I just really surprised pleasantly. And I love all of you for it. But spread the word far and wide. You know, um, we want to get more people involved and engaged, involved and engaged. Now, Lisa says, I like people to have ownership of their desk. Thank you. That You know what? And here's the thing, too. I believe more people want ownership. I think because I think we don't give them the ownership for a few reasons. And I don't think most people actually hoard information on purpose. Here's what I think. I think one, we don't trust people. But here's the problem. If you hired them and you don't trust them, then that's a you problem, not a them problem. So the first thing is we don't trust people. The second reason is I think that we honestly believe that we're protecting people sometimes. I really think that sometimes we believe that we're protecting our people by shielding them from specific information. But oftentimes, if you give them the information, they want to dig in and help you fix the problem. So um, I think we owe it to our people to keep them in the loop. My man, Mansoor, is here. Thank you, man. Mansoor said Audit Bites is a great show. Man, I appreciate you because I appreciate all of you all. <clears throat> I'm having a really great time doing this, and I appreciate all of you all. So now, now, I just took that moment to pause. Let's get back into it. Here's why most audit staffs struggle. First reason was they don't understand the big picture because we haven't communicated the big picture to them. The second reason is they're out of the loop. Remember, hoarding information does not make you a hero. You don't have to protect people from everything. If you give people information about what's happening, they want to help. Stop keeping your staff out of the loop. Now, let me go on to the third point. And you all know how I do. I just like to tell stories about things that have happened to me. So here's our third story. Here's what's interesting about today. Normally, I just say one story and hit the points throughout. You're going to get four different stories from me today. <laughs> I don't know. I'm in a storytelling mood, so let's have fun with it. If you like the stories, drop storytelling into the chat and let me know. Or just send me a message. Let me know you like the stories. So I was doing a quality assurance review, by the way. Yes, I do those, and I'm probably the most efficient at it. I can be in and out of your audit shop in four weeks or less. Anyway, and it's just me most of the time. So I was doing a quality assurance review at this one audit department. And I noticed something that really, really boggled my mind. This audit shop, they were using Word and Excel, which a lot of audit shops, a lot of audit departments don't have audit management systems. I get that. But the people reviewing the work papers made the staff people print out the work papers. They made them print them out so that they could review the work papers. You see, there was a divide there. There were a few younger people and then there were a few older people. Now, I'm not saying that age has much to do with it. It's more so stage because I'm almost 50. Oh, wow. Did I say that? I'll be 50 years old this year. And I think when it comes to this tech thing, I'm one of the best at it. But, but, but 
They made them print the work papers out. Can you all believe that? Still printing out work papers? Can you believe that? They made them print the work papers out. And so the more innovative staff members were like, why can't we just cross-reference everything in Word and Excel? Why can't we just review everything electronically? So that was one question that I asked, too, during the QAR. And the people who wanted them to print everything said, that's just the way that I like it. So here's what I did. I asked the staff members who were printing work papers out to actually go in and log the amount of time that it took them to print out work papers. And I quantified it for it and I took it to the director and I said, here's how much time your people are spending simply printing work papers and then binding them. And it was a pretty substantial number. Now, after that, well, some things happened. And by that, I mean, well, everybody was forced to innovate. So here's another reason why your audit staff struggle. They are not allowed to innovate. They are not allowed to inter innovate. There are people within your audit department who have some bright ideas. And I don't mean people who just throw ideas on the wall and hope that one sticks. You have some people with innovative ideas, but also action plans on how to get them done. And you're not listening to them because we've always done it this way. We've always done it this way. Now let's go back to our chat. Leslie says storytelling. So Leslie likes the storytelling. Good, good, good. Amanda, I love storytelling. Best way for me. No, me too. Me too. It's the absolute best way for me to learn. And, and it's the best way for me to teach too. Um, I think if I had to put up some PowerPoint presentations and just talk about, I don't know, something boring, I wouldn't be here. And you guys probably would not be here either. Uh, by the way, speaking of storytelling, in order to tell good stories, you have to ask really good questions. Now, asking good questions is the fundamental part of what we do as internal auditors. That's why you got to pick up my book, Ask Better Questions, Get Better Answers, Perform Better Audits. It is the auditor's blueprint to asking better questions while auditing. <clears throat> yeah, Lisa, the staff does the best job. Yeah, the staff doing the job are the best people to improve the process. Absolutely. We know that as auditors, so why don't we apply that same concept within our own department? I find that to be very interesting. I find that to be very, very interesting. So, so my third reason why audit staff struggle is they aren't allowed to innovate. And here's what I want to say. Your previous processes may not be up to par. Your previous processes may not be up to par. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by that. And I've said this on several episodes of this podcast, as well as the Friday Fraudster podcast. I've been trying to introduce the concept of video work papers to audit departments, especially when you hire me as a consultant to come in and, well, give you some feedback. Maybe you should listen because video work papers are very easy and efficient. They help cut down on your time. For example, 
Why would I go and do a walkthrough via Zoom with audit clients, then turn around and type up a Word document regurgitating everything that they've just told me and shown me when I can just record it, learn basic video editing, chop up what the client has shown me on screen, and there are my work papers. That saves you a lot of time and it saves you back and forth with the audit client. Now, my man David over at Swap Internal Audit introduced the one-page audit report. Isn't that innovative? That is really cool. And I can say right now, I'm actually working with a few clients to create the two-minute video audit report where I'm using artificial characters, AI, to produce audit results. Now, tell me, would you rather read a 50-page audit report or would you rather watch a one to two-minute video? Look, I don't even want your answers to that because the people who choose the 50-page audit report, you're just a glutton for punishment at this point. You are just a glutton for punishment. Leslie says, you've registered for the Central IIA chapter where I am doing Ask Better Questions, Get Better Answers, Perform Better Audits. Leslie, you're in for a treat. I will say, so this is, honestly, it's one of my favorite presentations to do. I just did it for a couple of private clients uh, last week and the week before last. Uh, and so they hired me to come into their staff and, and it got rave reviews. I love it in an eight hour format because what you're going to get is I actually dig deep into people and personalities. A lot of times as auditors, we think we can just ask questions because we have a charter. We'll put that charter, pull that charter out. This gives us the authority to ask questions, but we don't have any relationship with the people and we expect them to be forthcoming with us. That makes no sense to me. Now, somebody says, auditors in the department are busy and don't talk to each other. Okay, let me go, let me go over here, see if I can see who that is. I got to cheat now. Ah, that's Aisha. Aisha, you all don't talk to one another? Oh, I'm so sorry. Because how else do you get work done if you don't really talk to one another? Wow. Okay. Okay. Wow. Sorry to hear that. So listen, one reason that audit staff struggle is because they aren't allowed to innovate. If you're still doing the same things that you've always done, but you're asking your clients to be innovative in their processes, then aren't we kind of hypocrites? Just throwing that out there. Aren't we kind of hypocrites. Okay. 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 So now, now, now we've talked about three reasons why audit staff struggle. I've told a few stories and well, I think I got you on board with me right now. So the fourth one, ah, I don't know if I have any real strong story to tell. I'm just going to dive right into this fourth one. A fourth reason that audit staff struggle is because, quite frankly, they don't understand the fundamental audit execution strategies. They don't understand fundamental audit execution strategies. Now, let me explain what I mean by that, because I can tell that there are going to be some people saying, well, I know how to perform. I know how to do my work papers. I know how to perform a walkthrough. I know how to do sample size selection. Well, that's great. What do you want, a cookie? Your basic job as an internal auditor, your primary job is to extract information from people, analyze that information against a set of factual evidence, and then report on the results. Now, this is true whether you're an information technology auditor, a quality auditor, 
an operational auditor, a financial statement auditor, if you can't pull information from people and then logically analyze that information against a certain set of facts and then logically come to a set of conclusions, then you're useless. So now, one of the fundamental audit execution strategies is knowing how to talk to people. You can be the best auditor in the world, but if you can't get along with people, ask them really good questions, be able to make them comfortable enough to provide you with information. And then if you can't turn around, summarize that information, analyze it critically, do root cause analysis and create some sort of a report, whether it's in writing or verbally, then you fail as an audit professional. As a matter of fact, that is why my entire training business is primarily built around soft skills. If you look at my course catalog, there are courses on active listening, dealing with difficult people, delivering difficult news. You see, those two things are different. And I run into a lot of people who think that those two things are the same. No, delivering difficult news is very different from delivering difficult news to a difficult person. So one of the primary fundamental audit execution strategies is a learning about the psychology of people so that you can understand how to deal with a passive person, a passive aggressive person, a manipulative person, an assertive person, an aggressive person. Leslie, these are all the things that I talk about in that course that you are taking. That is one of the most important things that you have to deal with. Another thing is learning what your communication style is. You see, I learned years ago that I dislike dealing with passive aggressive people. I can't stand it. I believe that they are truly bad people. And so I pushed them off on other people. Now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yes and no. So what I do is I find someone on my staff, whenever I'm an audit director, I find someone on my staff that is good with dealing with passive aggressive people and I match styles. I match styles. Why would I sit here and struggle and beat my head against the wall dealing with someone who is obviously within one of my weaknesses of communication when I have someone on staff that can do it? You see, one of the fundamental audit execution strategies is learning about people learning the psychology of people. And I say this all the time, internal auditors should study psychology. Internal auditors should study psychology. Lisa, stop it. You are not just aggressive. At least I don't think you are. Maybe you are, heck. Maybe you are. <laughs> You're going to throw me off on my own show. How are you going to do that to me? No, nah, I'm just... <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> so one of the fourth reasons that internal audit staff struggle is because they don't understand the psychology of people. We don't teach them soft skills. Now, you're probably thinking that's probably just a plug for my training. Yes, it is. But the reason that I do the training that I do is because it makes us better internal auditors. It makes us better internal audit. And I'll tell you what, I had an audit client say to me years ago, he said to me, Robert, we, well, so let me tell you, we had just finished doing an audit and this was the one of the worst audits I had ever seen. The, the results were bad. I mean, it, nothing was working well. 
And this was a client that I liked. And so we were sitting in the exit meeting and he looked at me. No, more than liked, I respected this gentleman. Um, yeah, he's, he's a fantastic guy. And I, I had a high level of respect for him. So we're sitting at this exit meeting and I'm looking at him across the table and he looks at me and he says, you know, Robert, I really hate what you do. Now, in that moment, my heart sank because I'm like, here's a dude that I really respect. And he's looking at me and he's telling me, I hate what you do. And he must have seen the look on my face because I'm, I'm kind of expressive. Like you can tell what I'm thinking a lot of times because, you know, it's just what it is. So he said, Robert, I hate what you do. And then my heart just sank. And then he saw it and he looked at me and he kind of put his hand out as in like, wait a minute. And then he said, but I like how you do it. And so that gave me a little bit of relief. But but because I think life is about constant improvement, I went and asked him later on, what did you mean by that? And he said, listen, being an auditor is kind of bad sometimes, right? Because people are afraid of you. People don't want you around. But the way you do what you do, you make us feel like you care and you make us more comfortable or as comfortable as you can be considering you're doing an audit. And I thought about it for a minute and I was like, whoa, that was like the highest compliment you could actually get from a client. But I wasn't done there because, you know, I decided to ask him, what am I doing? Because like I, I had no idea what I was doing. So at this point, I need to try and figure out what is it that I'm doing that you like so much? And so he told me some of the things that I was doing and, and I didn't I didn't realize that, that I was doing these things. And so while I was at this organization, I decided to ask every audit client, what did we do that made them feel comfortable and uncomfortable? And so over the years, I gathered all of that information. And that information is a lot of what's in this book, Ask Better Questions, Get Better Answers, Perform Better Audits. Because most of it came directly from the client's mouth. All right. So <clears throat> before we go for today, I'm going to ask you guys to do me a favor again. I said it in the beginning, but go to audit, uh, go to auditbikes.com, find everywhere that our podcast is and subscribe on your favorite platform. So if you're an Apple person, I won't hold that against you, but subscribe on Apple podcast. If you have an Android and you subscribe to Google podcast or Stitcher, Spotify, you know, go and subscribe. Now, if you like seeing my ugly face, Go to our YouTube channel. I got some surprises coming over there soon. It doesn't look pretty right now, but there's a lot of good information. All these live shows stream to the YouTube channel. And don't forget about the Friday Froster podcast and live show every Friday at 2 p.m. on YouTube and LinkedIn. Um, For everybody that joined, I just want to say thank you. This is so much fun for me. I Look, this is so much fun. If your organization has a training need, call me up. I have a course catalog with 26 really good courses. I'm very strong in all of the things that are in my course catalog, and that's why I put them in there. So give me a call if you need some training. Uh, yeah, Leslie, we are approaching 100 episodes on Friday Froster. We were thinking about doing it this week, but this week is Good Friday. 
So I think we might punt until next week because uh, I don't know how many people are really going to be listening on Good Friday. But yeah, 100 episodes. Who the funk it, right? <laughs> like who, who really would have thought that me, Joe, and Kelly could hold you all's attention for 100 episodes and then get some of you all to join in as guests? And then here's the other thing. When I look at the statistics, as far as who's downloading, there are people all over the planet listening to the Friday Fraudster. And, and I'm I'm just, I'm amazed, I'm humble, I'm thankful. You all just make life fun for me. Um, uh, and then Lisa says Friday is her birthday. Happy early birthday, Lisa. Happy early birthday. And Dahlia says, great. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, anyway, thank you guys for joining me for another episode. See you next time. Thank you for watching this episode of Audit Bytes. If you receive value from this podcast, do us a favor. First, tell other auditors. Second, give us a five-star review. And finally, talk to Robert about training your auditors. Our contact information is on our website, www.thatauditguy.com. It's also where you will find our course catalog, on-demand courses, a kick-butt blog, other podcasts, Robert's best-selling books, and last but not least, audit merch. That's right, we have audit hats, shirts, mugs and more. Thanks for watching and listening. See you next episode.